welcome to Bayer Cropcast with your technical field representatives from right around Australia. In this Cropcast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to agronomy and growing healthy crops. We are passionate about the future of agriculture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer Cropcast. Welcome to Bayer Cropcast. This is episode 15, and I'm joined again by my colleague here in Western Australia, Matt Willis. How are you today, Matt? Good, thanks, Whitey. Glad to be on here as always. Yeah, sure, mate. Look, um, beginning of this year, January, February, was uh, a lot of people saying it felt like the 13th and 14th months of 2020. Things were just blending in with last year, but we're well and truly uh, sort of starting to get back to normal now, mate, and yeah, getting around, uh, seeing a few more people and a few events have actually been running quite well face-to-face, like the crop updates in Perth, and we ran our Bay Connect event, which we'll talk about in a moment, but yeah, how you been feeling so far this season? Yeah, good. What is with the broad acre systems in, a, in Australia where you get, you get through uh, the previous season, get through harvest, and then summer kicks along, and of course you've got a few family things, Christmas, um, and holidays, and it doesn't really, it's not really until around now that you start thinking about the next seasons, as you said, it's sort of that, that summer can sort of blend into the pre- previous season, but now we've had a, yeah, those updates we've spoken about there, the, um, the, the crop updates, and we've always grow meetings with uh, resellers and uh, grower groups, um, and we're now have some rain here in WA as well, and all of a sudden everyone's talking about the uh, 2021 season, and uh, you know, it is a bit of rain on the ground, and people start looking across the horizon and see any uh, columns of dust arising from people who are getting a little bit eager uh, to get something <laughs> in the ground. So, uh, your competitive nature about who's going to be first. So, yeah, no, certainly I got the 2021 on the season on the mind right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, back a couple of months ago, as I said, yeah, there was a few people saying to me, gee, it just feels like an extension of it. And I guess some of that brought on by obviously uh, COVID. And I'm sure we'll be talking about COVID for a while yet, but great optimism on the horizon there. Matt, with the vaccine coming and a bit more normality mm. and just, you know, getting across state borders where needed and things like that. It's just to bring a little bit more business and uh, life normality to people. So that's really good and we're looking forward to it. Got a really strong program planned here at Bayer for this season and we'll talk a bit more about that later on and in future episodes. But you mentioned the rain there, Matt, right across the state, uh, some really big rainfall totals in some areas, um, but I think pretty much everywhere got uh, has you know, got some rainfall of some sorts, and that's going to bring about a green bridge, isn't it? You know, we're going to start to see, we are seeing the germinations there now and bringing back green bridge, which brings a whole host of challenges in its own right. Mm, well, it's a, there was a little bit of rain uh, back end of last year, so around November and December for some parts, and same again in January. And so a few guys have been around once or twice already, summer spraying mm. to keep their, their, their summer weeds under control. Um, yeah, with this most recent rain, um, anything ranging from 10 mils up to, in some cases, 140 mils across uh, uh, the, the West Australian wheat belt, It's uh, you'd imagine there'd be substantial <laughs> weed growth uh, over the next few weeks, and it's always the debate from some people about well probably going to be seeding in about four to five weeks in some in some paddocks can we can we get through uh the seeding without having to do the past with the boom spray but i think it's been well and truly established now that yeah controlling that green bridge conserving moisture so getting that that moisture um in your uh, subsoil uh, is so valuable. It is, it's worth controlling those weeds for that and for uh, insects, green bridge, and controlling those uh, any insects that are floating around because we know that if there's a green bridge, 
over the summer that yeah the weed burden's going to be much higher once the crop does come out of the ground um and then yeah, just for weed control you know we, we know that weeds are easier to control when they're small um if, if they're germinating now and you're not seeding until middle of april back end of april they're going to be getting pretty big because they grow fast in these warmer conditions uh, early autumn, really fast. They sure do, Matt. Yeah, I was in Albany recently for the GRDC research updates, and you and I were at the uh, central one up in Perth recently. That was a really good event with some topics. We'll uh, perhaps you know give a bit of information over the next couple of uh, podcasts on it. But, yeah, you mentioned there about moisture conservation, absolutely critical, you know. Uh, some figures I've heard around you know, just how important that is and what that actually means. So around a third of that, if you get your weed control right, they say is uh, what you can maintain in a soil, just a, just a general rule of thumb. So, you know, in sort of in the areas where I've tracked through, you know, 60 millimetres and, and more um, down here in the south, you know, it doesn't take too much maths to work out. That that's a significant amount of water that can go towards the crop rather than uh, out through the weeds and, and lost during the season. And then, of course, yeah, lots of queries about... Uh, insect control already actually from our side so Russian wheat aphid certainly come up a bit and uh, there's plenty of good information around about that one but importantly too Matt you know green bridges also bring across uh, root diseases from you know last season into the next season so just mm-hmm. another good reason to get onto them we'll touch on a, another way there that when you start sowing the crop um, just how Evergold energy might uh, play a part but let's have a look at getting rid of these weeds um, Obviously, Roundup Ultramax uh, is what Bayer uh, has to offer in that space. And, you know, at the crop updates recently, there was some really good information came out about, you know, not all these glyphosates. Uh, Roundup is our brand, but not all the glyphosates are equal. And you just wanted to tell listeners a little bit about that, Matt. Yeah, so a really good presentation from uh, Mike Lamond, who's from SLR and the Synergy Group. Um, he did a trial out at Taman in Western Australia, uh, last year, it was a speculative trial. He was just a, he was driving past a paddock, and he and he noticed there were there were signs of uh, glyphosate resistance in the ryegrass. And you can it's quite actually quite not easy, but if you got your eye in, you can actually pick when this this is starting to appear in the paddock because you got to think. See, if you spray your weeds in crop and, and some weeds survive, it's actually quite hard to, to spot them unless you're in the paddock and driving around. Whereas if you um, spray it a some fallow um, with glyphosate, <laughs> it's actually pretty easy to, to notice uh, two weeks later and you still see patches of uh, ryegrass around the place. You'll see some of the plants will die, the ones that are susceptible, whereas some will survive. And he noticed there was this big patch of ryegrass that hadn't died on, the, on near the roadside um, uh, and he thought, oh, clearly there's something going on here. And he got a, did a quick test uh, with Roberto Busi um, at UWA uh, with Ari and uh, deduced that there was some uh, low-level glyphosate resistance there. Um, so he, on the back of that, he decided to design a little trial to see uh, do different glyphosate formulations perform differently um, on these weeds. Do some work better than others? Um and so he had, he had a, a drum of glyphosate 450 yeah, um, in his shed, and as he, as he uh, clarified, it's not the worst one out there, not the best one. It's probably one that most people would have come across uh, fairly regularly, though. And he also had some rounded Ultramax, and he put them out there at various rates. And, and, and to cut a story short, uh, it clearly showed that the Ultramax provided much higher levels of control on these um, these tough-to-kill weeds. And, and it, as he described during his presentation, it, it generally came down to the surfactant package in the glyphosate. So obviously most people will know your loadings of glyphosate in all these glyphosate products and what salt package is, is in these um, these glyphosates. But um, 
the surfactant packages aren't described very clearly on the drums. You don't really know what's in a lot of these products. Um, whereas, you know, with something like an Ultramax or some premium brands out there, that's going to be a really good quality surfactant package, whereas others, some of those 450s, you're not quite sure. And his uh, summary in a nutshell was that these are susceptible, easy to kill weeds, all soft, they're well, they've got no resistance, they're small, probably wouldn't be able to pick out the difference between all of these products too easily. But when, they, when the conditions are tough, when the moisture stressed, when it's dusty, when there's this, this building resistance, uh, like in the scenario we described at Tamman, then they really start pulling them apart. The premium products really do come to the fore. So it's probably something we really need to consider, particularly over the summer when we do come across these dusty conditions, these moisture stress conditions. It's tough to kill weeds or about. And then, yeah, if there is suspected glyphosate resistance in there as well, we really need to make sure we're using you know, the usual um, application, good application through water rates and um, good coverage with your, your boom spray setup, but also making sure using one of the better glyphosate products out there to ensure that you're in a good good level of kill. That's right, and certainly um, also you know with Roundup Ultramax being that 570 gram per litre high-loaded one and the surfactant package really setting them apart um, compared to some. But, yeah, I think the compatibility also, Matt, is really important because people may mm. be adding other products and we have a really good um, compatibility profile there as well. More information available on the Bayer website. Uh, I'm sure most people will be well tuned in to Roundup Ultramax and, uh, you know, plenty of um, sort of, well, there's 20 litre, one ten litre and 1,000 litre shuttles available, so plenty of options mm. there as well, mate. And, yeah, uh, people that use this um, report good results and, and happy, as you've reported there. No, it's a trusted brand and um, people know it's going to be high quality, whereas some of the others, well, you're not quite sure, are you? That's right. So get in touch with us through crop.bayer.com.au or just simply search Roundup Ultramax in Google and uh, you'll find plenty of information there about uh, crop suitability, obviously compatibility, you know, what it does and some other nice resources like the safety data sheet and product label, which, you know, a Roundup product label might be taken for granted a lot of the time, Matt, but, geez, they're very comprehensive, so worth having a a refresh on anyway if you're starting up Mm. in that again. Yep. So, yeah, that was uh, Roundup Ultramax and how that can certainly help manage this green bridge, which we know brings about a lot of challenges, Matt, as we discussed there. The insects like Russian wheat aphid that we're starting to get more and more inquiries about. It said bridge for root and leaf diseases, in fact, and also those weeds just simply taking moisture away, which you can conserve a lot of that if you get it out of the way now and uh, give it to the crop when you get that in. So plenty of information there and... Yeah, just a few weeks ago, we uh, we done the, our annual Bayer Connect event, which is uh, updating advisors from across Western Australia and also over in uh, Adelaide. Actually, they ran a similar event, and there's another one coming up in the eastern states for New South Wales, Victoria. But Bayer Connect, we touched on a whole lot of topics there, and you know, one of those was uh, certainly Matino Complete, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, you discussed, Matt, about HPPD herbicide stewardship or Group H uh, mm-hmm. chemistry, so velocity precept um, in making those, uh, or, you know, longevity of those. We had um, Dr. Andreas Mel, one of our principal scientists from Germany, talking about fungicide resistance management, and that was really well received. So we did a um, pre-recorded little piece, but... Importantly, a live question and answer session, which uh, we had great feedback on. And we'll bring some information on to Bayer Cropcast about that as we get closer to that fungicide use time during the year. And mm. we also had Dr. Harry Streck uh, from our 
Weed Resistance Competence Centre in Frankfurt, Germany, and he gave a really good insight into how um, you know a range of things, uh, you know, resistance and all those types of topics. Again, a live Q and A, but importantly, he talked a little bit about Matino Complete and its uh, modes of action and how it's acting in the plant. And we're really excited about Matino Complete, which currently you know is not a registered product. We're working towards that and aiming for 2022 as it being available for growers in Australia. But Matt, yeah, one of the um, really nice things about Matino Complete is we've done a really extensive body of work so far and during 2021 we'll be you know, um, showing this much more in the field. So listeners, um, there will be, no doubt, Matino Complete near you somewhere to go and have a look at uh, directly in the fields around your area. So, Matt, do you want to touch on Matino Complete and just what it's going to offer to uh, Australian grain growers? Yeah, so Matino Complete, well, we've probably spoken about this previous um, crop cast and we inferred about it a little bit earlier on when we weren't uh, technically allowed to talk about it. Um, but, yeah, certainly this year is going to be about making sure growers get to see this in their patch, near their farm, in their conditions, and getting their eyes across it. Uh, a lot of the consultants and advisors have sort of been getting their heads around it for the last uh, year or two, whereas, but this year it's really about 12 months out from this being potentially being used in the paddock. Um, so let's get growers used to it and see it in, in small plot trials, in, in, in large-scale. Um, it's really about, yeah, getting them familiar with the product. And so I've spoken about this at a few um, grower updates recently. There seems to be a lot of uh, eagerness, there's a lot of potential for this product in, in, in Australian broadacre systems. Um, I suppose one thing which was a bit of a limitation for us in cereals, at least, in, in controlling oh, ryegrass is the main one, so we'll talk about that one in particular, but controlling ryegrass in cereal systems were quite limited about that we were reliant on our, our IBS in before sowing chemistry, like your Sakuras and uh, Trifluralins of the world, where they, they get a, a spray out before the, um, the bar goes through. Yeah, usually knife point press wheel sort of style that throws the the soil from the furrow into the interrow and so all the chemical goes into the interrow and you won't have any chemical in the furrow walls and the furrow itself and so it means that you're reliant on the solubility and the absorption coefficient of the product uh, along with moisture from rainfall to move that product from the interrow down the furrow walls into the furrow and that generally doesn't happen so you'll generally find even the better products such as Sakura that they do a really good job controlling the ryegrass in the interrow but then the ryegrass does come up in, with the crop in the furrow itself so, whereas Matino Complete it has that use pattern but it also has an early post-emergent use pattern which means it can be sprayed uh, shortly after the crops come out of the ground um, and it therefore gets coverage not only on the interrow uh, but also in the furrow walls and in the furrow itself and so getting that complete coverage across the soil profile um, this means you get higher levels of weed control. Now previously there are people have uh, uh, played around with other products out there in that space, and they're, they're just not quite reliable. Um, the consistency is not there. Whereas this, with this co-formulation we have, which has been designed for Australian conditions and Australian soil types and Australian rainfall distributions, um, it's such a consistent high level of control. And we, we, we had a, a sort of a data set that was presented during Bayer Connect. Um, uh, the other day, it was from 40 trials last year, so across a range of Australian conditions and um, and weather patterns. And the most reliable form of control and the highest level of control was from this early post-emergent use pattern. So I see a really big strength for this product for ryegrass control. But not only that, but also you know, 
a whole bunch of other grasses and broadleaf control. So in WA, our three big weeds would be probably wildradish, pateweed and double Gs, and and this is very strong on all three of them, particularly on wildradish. The levels of control I'm seeing from this on wildradish is phenomenal. So seeing to be able to use a product early post-immersion, getting complete coverage, which controls not only your ryegrass, like your wild radish and other broadleaf and grass weeds as well, there's a real uh, opportunity, I think, for growers to clean up their paddock. Um, and, yeah, uh, they, they see the potential for it from when I've been talking to them uh, the last few weeks and months. Um, and hopefully, yeah, we'll be able to showcase that uh, throughout the 2021 season. Yep, sure thing, Matt. And I think you say there, certainly in the case of wild radish, but look, cape weed as well is... Uh, really, really good uh, effects going on there. But, yeah, great opportunities this year. We'll be doing a lot of work right around Australia with Matino Complete. And uh, that'll be, uh, as I said, it'll be in a paddock near you. Um, so come and have a look at it and learn more about it ahead of it being available, all things going well, in 2022. So, yeah, not currently registered, but uh, we're working hard to get it um, available to Australian grain growers for next season, Matt. Definitely. So, Matt, you talked about uh, Matino Complete there and just how, you know, we're developing that and it's looking really, really promising on, you know, uh, broadleaf and grass weeds and, and either uh, incorporated by sowing pass or um, the other option is to go with it after the crops just come out of the ground, so what we call early post-emergent. So people will learn more about that. But you mentioned Sakura, Trifluralin, whole range of things in there. And you know what? Sakura's uh, around about a decade now, mate. It's been available in Australia. Can you believe it's that long? Yeah, time flies. I remember when it was being launched and I was a little bit younger back then. And it, <laughs> it does seem like a very long, long time ago, uh, the time before Sakura. And uh, it's just been quite an invaluable resource for the broadacre industry. And it's not just Tutti Horn Horn at Bay here, but the, the, the active phone has just been so invaluable. Um for, for controlling grass weeds and when you're considering or well, think of what a landscape would be we'd had to rely on on trifluralin and, and uh, prosulfocarb and trilate uh, without uh, sakura being there I, I think not only would our weed control be less but we'd also see more resistance in those other actors as well i think it's yeah. been out of that diverse control as well it's been phenomenal and sakura um has has certainly been very good at that and uh yeah, i think everyone uh, you, you rarely hear a poor word about uh, sakura uh in australian broadacre that's right yeah really setting the standards for that uh, pre-emergent control of annual ryegrass and there's obviously also the um you know, barley grass, silver grass, toad rush, mm. um, and suppression of brome and wild oats. But, you mm. know, importantly too, Matt, you know, a couple of nice pack sizes available. So in the granules is a 5-kilo pack and also an 11.8-kilo uh, pack, which some growers absolutely love, the 100-hectare pack, and they requested mm. that one to come back. But uh, we also now have a liquid formulation, an SC formulation called Sakura Flow. So plenty of options, depending on what you like, but also just – you know, ensures availability of the product um, as we approach the sowing period, which is so important to get things done when you want to get them done. So liquid mm. and granule, um, you know, certainly been uh, around for a good lot of years, should be used as part of a program, we always say, integrated weed management and all those sorts of things. But, yeah, it's really been uh, a benchmark setter. Uh, and now I guess we're looking to develop, as we said, Matino Complete to take weed control beyond even Sakura when it's available. Mm, exactly. 
And then also importantly, we said when we you know want to get the crop in, when uh, that all kicks around. So obviously getting the those weeds out of the way, as we said with Roundup Ultramax and other things at the moment to conserve moisture. But importantly, when the cereal seeds are going into the ground, you know seed treatment. Thinking about those, and certainly from Bayer, the Evergold family, so Evergold Energy um, seed treatment. You know, being a broad spectrum seed treatment from us, and really good. You know, in terms of that combination of of three active ingredients there as well. Um, you know, it can be applied as a seed treatment, but also um, very good results in furrow for root diseases mm. like crown rot, rhizoctonia and pythium. Um, but second to none, really, Matt, in the smuts and bunts um, in terms of that. So Evergold Energy is still around. Uh, there is Evergold Prime available as well, but speak to your local agronomist or Bayer representative about that. So, yeah, that was in cereals, but... Of course, uh, probably could be a lot of opportunity for some legumes going in this year as well, Matt. And I know you love to talk about tag team, <laughs> the uh, Bayer inoculant, and um, just how important that is as part of feature. So, yeah, I'll hand over to you and have a talk about uh, tag team, what that's all about. Yeah, yes, tag team. So, legume inoculants, I've spoken about it before, and I uh, know there's, there's certainly a, a, a large demand for it this year. Um, obviously, yeah, it comes in both a granular and peat product, but yeah, the the peat product has been getting a lot of attention recently just because it's got that unique uh, application method. So, uh, just, uh, traditionally, uh, uh, peats have been applied in a wet slurry on the grain, and uh, obviously there's pros and cons to that, but it can get quite messy, whereas a tag team, the peat can be applied, well, it can be put in a wet peat, but it can also be applied dry. So uh, you can either use an applicator, a dedicated applicator, or just pour, you know, if you're quite confident in your pouring abilities, just straight out of the bag into the, into the what I've seen, into say the, the hopper, uh, which is putting going up the auger into your five and one, nice, easy uh, to apply. It also doesn't need to be refrigerated, so uh, it's another one that historically peeps have had to be refrigerated um, to, to maintain their, their lifespan, um, but uh, this one, yeah, as long as they're kept in a cool, dry place, um, out of the sun, out of the heat, um, doesn't need to be refrigerated, so another benefit for this product. So, yeah, certainly seeing a, a lot of uh, demand for that, um, in particularly in Western Australia with the lupin growing area and, and chickpeas is another developing industry seems to be a lot more of that going in this year than, than previously so um and uh, that's always a big big thing with legumes that if you use your you grow those legumes frequently um so say lupin every two or three years you'll generally maintain your, the, the correct rhizobia levels in the soil that you don't need to re-inoculate too often i'd still advise it once every uh, 10 to 15 years uh, but for those that haven't grown a legume for a while in a paddock or if you're bringing in a chickpea which you haven't grown for ever potentially um, you'll certainly need to have a legume with that to build up that, that, that associated rhizobia that matches with that plant um, to get that uh, uh, to be able to uh, fix that nitrogen into the soil to help grow that crop and uh, also to then the residues to be able to feed your following year's crop with some uh, nitrogen from that uh, symbiosis. Yep, and you mentioned chickpeas there. Look, uh, some growers. Uh, and some parts of Australia certainly growing them. And I, when I was uh, doing agronomy out in the Eastern Wheat Belt back in the 1990s, late 90s, early 2000s, um, there's a lot of chickpeas around, Matt, but uh, the darn disease got on top of them, unfortunately. And uh, there's now a real renewed effort from GRDC uh, and their associated groups that are conducting research. And we heard about that at the crop updates, research updates recently in Perth, that uh, there's real investment going back into uh, chickpeas, which I think is just a great thing because we need that diversity in crop choice. Um, mm. you know, diversity just drives everything as far as 
you know, uh, keeping resistance away and, you know, just making things a hell of a lot better. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And I think tag team, um, obviously, chickpeas grow just becomes so critical because, as you said, probably have either never grown them in some fields or paddocks, but in others, um, it'll be quite a long time since they've had a chickpea in there. So, again, any crop you're growing um, for rhizobium, uh, you know, you just need to look at the tag team inoculant products to make sure you do get it in there and get the most out of, as you say, that symbiotic relationship between uh, bacteria and uh, the plant. Mm, exactly. Do you know, that we've uh, covered a lot of topics there, but we'll do a lot more um, individual around the country as we uh, do future crop casts um, during 2021. And I'll, you know, we'll bring some of our other colleagues on from other states. But just to round things out now, I know you always love to uh, give listeners a little bit of a fact. And I know you've been feverishly, uh, you know, looking to, to find a fact that you want to talk about. So hand over to you again, mate. And uh, what's uh, your fact yes. for this crop cast? Crop my, cast so, so my, my, my last two facts have been very WA focused. So I know we've got some listeners over in the east. So I thought I'd, I'd go back there, return to the east for my <laughs> fact. And it also, also means it's probably less likely uh, our friends in WA have heard of this, but they may have because it has actually been in the news recently. So You'd be familiar with the Great Wall of China in China, wouldn't you, Whitey? I've never been there, Matt, but yes, you, I have you, heard of it. You're familiar with it? So it, was that's keep, a, it was to keep the rabbits out. I've heard that, <laughs> but I'm not sure. Is that right? The, the rabbits, it's about keeping something out. I don't know if it was rabbits or not. Yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's about 9,000 kilometres long. Now, oh. did you know there's a structure in Australia which you can see from space? As yeah. Well. yeah, this is ringing a bell, but it's not coming to me immediately, so yeah, yeah. put me so out of my misery. There's, there's another long structure in, in, in um, Australia um, called, it's called the Dingo Fence. So the Dingo yeah. Fence, it's in uh, – it, it, it was uh, runs from Jimbor, which is on the Darling Downs near Dalby in Queensland, and it sort of hooks around the northern edge of that sort of uh, Queensland uh, broadacre area and sort of hooks around the Strasbourg Desert, goes down to that where the um, New South Wales Queensland border is, follows it to that you know where the South Australia, uh, New South Wales and Queensland border meet each other. And oh yeah, the freeway so that goes yep, there. Yep, yep, yep. And it follow, then it goes down, follows the South Australian. Uh, New South Wales border there, then hooks around over Cooper Pedy and then down to a, a place called Nundru, which is on the Nullarbor Plains, oh, yeah, west of the Peninsula. There. Yep, I mm. So is. it sort of runs all the way there. So that, 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 that is just under 6,000 kilometres there. It's about 5,600 uh, kilometres long, so quite long. Um, but the interesting thing is why it's been in the news recently is because satellite photography has recently shown you, you can see a difference in the vegetation uh, from the north where the wild all the dingoes are and the south where the dingoes are not and it's probably not what you'd expect because they're not just looking at, at, at the um where the obviously the pastures are um but looking at like the native vegetation there they can see a distinct difference in the um uh, how much vegetation is there and it's not as you think it's obviously you think oh a, a vermin proof fence it keeps out the rabbits and your, and your dingoes and kangaroos and it keeps them out in the north away from the broadacre areas but what they've found is by keeping the dingoes out, and it has been quite successful at doing that, it means that the rabbits and the kangaroos, particularly the kangaroos, 
uh, in the Broadac, in south of the fence, in the Broadac area, have been just running rampant because they've got no predators and they haven't had any predators since the thing was built in 1885. Oh. And so all the native vegetation in south of the fence has been hammered by kangaroos. Yep. So they can actually see it from space. I showed it earlier yeah. last month. There was a new article that came out and showed, yeah, south of the fence, the, the native vegetation was much uh, less dense, there was less undergrowth because of the amount of kangaroos that were down there compared to the north where the dingoes are hopping around uh, taking care of them. So Amazing, <laughs> isn't it? it is. And, um, but it, the fence itself, they reckon it's been coming to a bit of disrepair in the last um, sort of 10, 20 years. But it, I think they've almost given up on it because it is cheaper and more effective to use 10 baiting the fence to uh, control these dingo populations. As opposed to maintaining these fences, and like the, there's about twenty, there's about thirty people that are fully employed to maintain this fence uh, right now across those three states. So wow. it's quite expensive to run and maintain. And so I think they've almost given up on it now, and the holes are getting bigger, and the dingoes are sneaking through. But yeah, I think 1080 baits um, a little bit more effective. Yeah, very interesting. And I think that corner up there where Queensland, New South Wales, South Australia meets. Um, Obviously, Northern Territory. Uh, no, no, it's the further one down further. I think it's called mm. Cameron Corner, and I have seen pictures of that with multiple gates and things there. So you just hope people uh, close them after they go through them, but um, I'm sure that's why they have some of those. How many people did you say are there to maintain it? Yeah, it's about, it's about 20 or 30 of them. Yeah, all there. through. Yeah. Wow, yeah, mm. but no, very interesting fact for sure. So, no, it just mm. shows you, doesn't it? Any, any action has an opposite um, reaction, they call it, or some effect you know, one effect has an effect on something else. So, yeah, that's a pretty interesting one, Matt. So thanks for bringing that to our attention. Yeah. Cool. So, no, always interesting facts, Matt, and I'll uh, give you a heads up now. Make sure, you know, you start working on the next one, mate, because we'll be doing more, <laughs> many more Bayer Crop Casts during 2021. And listeners, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, as we always say, please get in touch with us. We thank you so much for for listening we hope it's entertaining but also giving you a little bit of information um you know as to where to get information and you can always get in get that off the website crop.bayer.com.au um let us know what you'd like us to talk about or yeah any particular specific topic we can certainly do that but matt um you and i are also available on twitter and your twitter handle is it's at matt willis ag at matt willis ag and mine is at photo by CW at photo by CW, and uh, we welcome any contacts via that avenue as well. Or you can get in touch with us, as I said, through the crop.bayer.com.au website. Uh, so, Matt, thanks very much for joining us today on episode 15 of Bayer Cropcast, and I'll uh, look forward to catching up with you and our colleagues from right around Australia in the future podcast episodes. So thanks very much. No worries, Wadi. Pleasure to be here. And, you know, same as you said, I'm uh, looking forward to catching up with everyone over this autumn as we lead into the 2021 season. Yep, sounds great. And it's going to be a good one. I've got a good feeling about this one. I'll take take your word for it. (laughs) See you later, mate. See you, Wadi. See everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Bayer Cropcast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone 1-800-804-479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening.